Chapter One, Part Eight of Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles McKay volume two chapter one the crusades part eight henry the second of england and philip augustus of france at the head of their chivalry supported the crusade with all their influence until wars and dissensions nearer home estranged them from it for a time the two kings met at gisors in normandy in the month of january eleven eighty eight accompanied by a brilliant train of knights and warriors william of tyre was present and expounded the cause of the cross with considerable eloquence and the whole assembly bound themselves by oath to proceed to jerusalem it was agreed at the same time that a tax called saladin's tithe and consisting of the tenth part of all possessions whether landed or personal, should be enforced over Christendom, upon every one who was either unable or unwilling to assume the cross. The lord of every fife, whether lay or ecclesiastical, was charged to raise the tithe within his own jurisdiction, and any one who refused to pay his quota became by that act the bondsman and absolute property of his lord at the same time the greatest indulgence was shown to those who assumed the cross no man was at liberty to stay them by process of any kind whether for debt or robbery or murder the king of france at the breaking up of the conference summoned a parliament at paris where these resolutions were solemnly confirmed while henry the second did the same for his norman possessions at rouen and for england at Geddington in Northamptonshire. To use the words of an ancient chronicler, he held a parliament about the voyage into the Holy Land, and troubled the whole land with the paying of tithes towards it. But it was not England alone that was troubled by the tax. The people of France also looked upon it with no pleasant feelings, and appear from that time forth to have changed their indifference for the crusade into aversion even the clergy who were exceedingly willing that other people should contribute half or even all their goods in furtherance of their favorite scheme were not at all anxious to contribute a single sou themselves millot relates that several of them cried out against the impost among the rest the clergy of rheims were called upon to pay their quota but sent a deputation to the king begging him to be contented with the aid of their prayers as they were too poor to contribute in any other shape philip augustus knew better and by way of giving them a lesson employed three nobles of the vicinity to lay waste the church lands the clergy informed of the outrage applied to the king for redress i will aid you with my prayers said the monarch condescendingly and will entreat those gentlemen to let the church alone 
he did as he had promised but in such a manner that the nobles who appreciated the joke continued their devastations as before again the clergy applied to the king what would you have of me he replied in answer to their remonstrances you gave me your prayers in my necessity and i have given you mine in yours the clergy understood the argument and thought it the wiser course to pay their quota of saladin's tithe without further parley this anecdote shows the unpopularity of the crusade if the clergy disliked to contribute it is no wonder that the people felt still greater antipathy but the chivalry of europe was eager for the affray the tithe was rigorously collected and armies from england france burgundy italy flanders and germany were soon in the field the two kings who were to have led it were however drawn into broils by an aggression of richard duke of guyenne better known as richard cour de lyon upon the territory of the count of toulouse and the proposed journey to palestine was delayed war continued to rage between france and england and with so little probability of a speedy termination that many of the nobles bound to the crusade left the two monarchs to settle the differences at their leisure and proceeded to palestine without them death at last stepped in and removed henry the second from the hostility of his foes and the treachery and ingratitude of his children his son richard immediately concluded an alliance with philip augustus and the two young valiant and impetuous monarchs united all their energies to forward the crusade they met with a numerous and brilliant retinue at nonancourt in normandy where in sight of their assembled chivalry they embraced as brothers and swore to live as friends and true allies until a period of forty days after their return from the holy land with a view of purging their camp from the follies and vices which had proved so ruinous to preceding expeditions they drew up a code of laws for the government of the army gambling had been carried to a great extent and proved the fruitful source of quarrels and bloodshed and one of their laws prohibited any person in the army beneath the degree of a knight from playing at any game for money knights and clergymen might play for money but no one was permitted to lose or gain more than twenty shillings in a day under a penalty of one hundred shillings the personal attendants of the monarchs were also allowed to play to the same extent the penalty in their case for infraction was that they should be whipped naked through the army for the space of three days any crusader who struck another and drew blood was ordered to have his hand cut off and whoever slew a brother crusader was condemned to be tied alive to the corpse of his victim and buried with him no young women were allowed to follow the army to the great sorrow of many vicious and of many virtuous dames who had not courage to elude the decree by dressing in male attire but many high-minded and affectionate maidens and matrons bearing the sword or the spear followed their husbands and lovers to the war in spite of king richard and in defiance of danger 
the only women allowed to accompany the army in their own habiliments were washerwomen of fifty years complete and any others of the fair sex who had reached the same age these rules having been promulgated the two monarchs marched together to lyon where they separated agreeing to meet again at messina philip proceeded across the alps to genoa where he took ship and was conveyed in safety to the place of rendezvous richard turned in the direction of marseilles where he also took ship for messina his impetuous disposition hurried him into many squabbles by the way and his knights and followers for the most part as brave and as foolish as himself imitated him very zealously in this particular at messina the sicilians charged the most exorbitant prices for every necessary of life richard's army in vain remonstrated from words they came to blows and as a last resource plundered the sicilians since they could not trade with them continual battles were the consequence in one of which lebrun the favorite attendant of richard lost his life the peasantry from far and near came flocking to the aid of the townspeople and the battle soon became general richard irritated at the loss of his favorite and incited by report that tancred the king of sicily was fighting at the head of his own people joined the melee with his boldest knights and beating back the sicilians attacked the city sword in hand stormed the battlements tore down the flag of sicily and planted his own in its stead this collision gave great offence to the king of france who became from that time jealous of richard and apprehensive that his design was not so much to re-establish the christian kingdom of jerusalem as to make conquests for himself he however exerted his influence to restore peace between the english and sicilians and shortly afterwards set sail for acre with distrust of his ally germinating in his heart richard remained behind for some weeks in a state of inactivity quite unaccountable in one of his temperament he appears to have had no more squabbles with the sicilians but to have lived an easy luxurious life forgetting in the lap of pleasure the objects for which he had quitted his own dominions and the dangerous laxity he was introducing into his army the superstition of his soldiers recalled him at length to a sense of his duty a comet was seen for several successive nights which was thought to menace them with the vengeance of heaven for their delay shooting stars gave them similar warning and a fanatic of the name of joachim with his drawn sword in his hand and his long hair streaming wildly over his shoulders went through the camp howling all night long and predicting plague famine and every other calamity if they did not set out immediately richard did not deem it prudent to neglect the intimations and after doing humble penance for his remissness he set sail for acre a violent storm dispersed his fleet but he arrived safely at rhodes with the principal part of the armament here 
he learned that three of his ships had been stranded on the rocky coasts of cyprus and that the ruler of the island isaac Comnenus, had permitted his people to pillage the unfortunate crews and had refused shelter to his betrothed bride the princess berengaria and his sister who in one of the vessels had been driven by stress of weather into the port of limiso the fiery monarch swore to be revenged and collecting all his vessels sailed back to limiso isaac Comnenus refused to apologize or explain and richard in no mood to be trifled with landed on the island routed with great loss the forces sent to oppose him and laid the whole country under contribution on his arrival at acre he found the whole of the chivalry of europe there before him guy of lusignan the king of jerusalem had long before collected the bold knights of the temple the hospital and st john and had laid siege to acre which was resolutely defended by the sultan saladin with an army magnificent both for its numbers and its discipline for nearly two years the crusaders had pushed the siege and made efforts almost superhuman to dislodge the enemy various battles had taken place in the open fields with no decisive advantage to either party and guy of lusignan had begun to despair of taking that strong position without aid from europe his joy was extreme on the arrival of philip with all his chivalry and he only awaited the coming of cour de lyon to make one last decisive attack upon the town when the fleet of england was first seen approaching the shores of syria a universal shout arose from the christian camp and when richard landed with his train one louder still pierced to the very mountains of the south where saladin lay with all his army it may be remarked as characteristic of this crusade that the christians and the moslems no longer looked upon each other as barbarians to whom mercy was a crime each host entertained the highest admiration for the bravery and magnanimity of the other and in their occasional truces met upon the most friendly terms the moslem warriors were full of courtesy to the christian knights and had no other regret than to think that such fine fellows were not mohammedans the christians with a feeling precisely similar extolled to the skies the nobleness of the saracens and sighed to think that such generosity and valour should be sullied by disbelief in the gospel of jesus but when the strife began all these feelings disappeared and the struggle became mortal the jealousy excited in the mind of philip by the events of messina still rankled and the two monarchs refused to act in concert instead of making a joint attack upon the town the french monarch assailed it alone and was repulsed richard did the same and with the same result philip tried to seduce the soldiers of richard from their allegiance by the offer of three gold pieces per month to every knight who would forsake the banners of england for those of france richard endeavoured to neutralize the offer by a larger one and promised four pieces to every french knight who should join the lion of england 
in this unworthy rivalry their time was wasted to the great detriment of the discipline and efficiency of their followers some good was nevertheless effected for the mere presence of two such armies prevented the besieged city from receiving supplies and the inhabitants were reduced by famine to the most woeful straits saladin did not deem it prudent to risk a general engagement by coming to their relief but preferred to wait till dissension had weakened his enemy and made him an easy prey perhaps if he had been aware of the real extent of the extremity in acre he would have changed his plan but cut off from the town he did not know its misery till it was too late after a short truce the city capitulated upon terms so severe that saladin afterwards refused to ratify them the chief conditions were that the precious wood of the true cross captured by the moslems in jerusalem should be restored that a sum of two hundred thousand gold pieces should be paid and that all the christian prisoners in acre should be released together with two hundred knights and a thousand soldiers detained in captivity by saladin the eastern monarch as may be well conceived did not set much store on the wood of the cross but was nevertheless anxious to keep it as he knew its possession by the christians would do more than a victory to restore their courage he refused therefore to deliver it up or to accede to any of the conditions and richard as he had previously threatened barbarously ordered all the saracen prisoners in his power to be put to death the possession of the city only caused new and unhappy dissensions between the christian leaders the archduke of austria unjustifiably hoisted his flag on one of the towers of acre which richard no sooner saw than he tore it down with his own hands and trampled it under his feet philip though he did not sympathize with the archduke was piqued at the assumption of richard and the breach between the two monarchs became wider than ever a foolish dispute arose at the same time between guy of lusignan and conrad of montferrat for the crown of jerusalem the inferior knights were not slow to imitate the pernicious example and jealousy distrust and ill-will reigned in the christian camp in the midst of this confusion the king of france suddenly announced his intention to return to his own country richard was filled with indignation and exclaimed eternal shame light on him and on all france if for any cause he leave this work unfinished but philip was not to be stayed his health had suffered by his residence in the east and ambitious of playing a first part he preferred to play none at all than to play second to king richard leaving a small detachment of burgundians behind he returned to france with the remainder of his army and cour de lyon without feeling in the multitude of his rivals that he had lost the greatest became painfully convinced that the right arm of the enterprise was lopped off after his departure richard refortified acre restored the christian worship in the churches and leaving a christian garrison to protect it marched along the sea-coast towards ascalon saladin was on the alert 
and sent his light horse to attack the rear of the christian army while he himself miscalculating their weakness since the defection of philip endeavored to force them to a general engagement the rival armies met near azotus a fierce battle ensued in which saladin was defeated and put to flight and the road to jerusalem left free for the crusaders again discord exerted its baleful influence and prevented richard from following up his victory his opinion was constantly opposed by the other leaders all jealous of his bravery and influence and the army instead of marching to jerusalem or even to ascalon as was first intended proceeded to jaffa and remained in idleness until saladin was again in a condition to wage war against them many months were spent in fruitless hostilities and as fruitless negotiations richard's wish was to recapture jerusalem but there were difficulties in the way which even his bold spirit could not conquer his own intolerable pride was not the least cause of the evil for it estranged many a generous spirit who would have been willing to cooperate with him in all cordiality at length it was agreed to march to the holy city but the progress made was so slow and painful that the soldiers murmured and the leaders meditated retreat the weather was hot and dry and there was little water to be procured saladin had choked up the wells and cisterns on the route and the army had not zeal enough to push forward amid such privation at bethlehem a council was held to debate whether they should retreat or advance retreat was decided upon and immediately commenced it is said that richard was first led to a hill whence he could obtain a sight of the towers of jerusalem and that he was so affected at being so near it and so unable to relieve it that he hid his face behind his shield and sobbed aloud End of chapter 1, part 8 Recording by Linda Johnson, 